I got better enough to realize how close I had come to losing my life, and I saw differently what mattered to me. What mattered to me were other people in my life. Hello listeners and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast co-hosted by myself, comedian Akinomo Bitan and Professor Dan Cable. In each episode, the two of us pick apart peer-reviewed and published social science papers, squeezing out the best bits so you, the listener, don't have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? <laughs> Love being here with you, Akin. <laughs> right back at you. Nice. <laughs> Today is it's 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 very heavy but i don't know maybe it's just me i just saw the fun in a lot of it i saw the fun and the i guess i saw the the potential for today's study to have a positive impact on how we look at our life from today on that's right that's right i think just uh give props to laura karstensen um this is a paper that she published in science and it's the influence of a sense of time on human development. And if I had to summarize it really quickly, it means that we humans have a subjective sense of time and how much time is left. And if that knowledge that the window of time is closing is right to the front of our brain, it affects the way we live and what kind of the way we're motivated to live. Totally affects our, our, go- our goals our um our our sense of like who we want to spend time how we want to spend that time it affects us affects us cognitively emotionally it's it's this weird kind of thing which it pretty much kind of like re-scrambles your brain yep in a way, this is what Buddhism is all about. Ooh, in getting in there. Okay, in okay. We'll say a little bit more about that then. It's, um, it's the idea that if you can hold to the front of your brain that everything's temporary. It's the concept of wabi-sabi in hey. some ways. It's this idea that you have to remember that it's all impermanent, that this is a transient thing that allows you to cope with the change the reality of the change in the world in a much better way. Yeah. And it changes the way you think you ought to be living this life. And that's quite similar with stoicism as well, right? Mm. Stoicism is also, because I think some people believe that stoicism is this idea of being, I guess, like nothing affects you. Whereas I think from my understanding of stoicism, it's not that nothing affects you, but it's having that awareness that how you respond to what happens, like what happens to you doesn't have to dictate who you are. If you can be, if you could operate at a level higher, you can still experience the ups and the downs, but it then doesn't become a, a thing that defines you, nor does it then become the thing that entirely influences your behavior. That's right. That's right. Oh, so let's talk, uh, cause we're, we're getting, we're getting all like philosophical and spiritual. So early. I think they came for the science. Okay, <laughs> let's hop in there. Yeah, let's hop into some science. Well, um, Laura Karstensen would be at the top of her field in terms of thinking about time perception and thinking about aging. Yes. She would be a scholar that knows maybe one of the top five people in the world on this concept of what does aging do. And one of the things that she found in study after study after study is what she's calling um, like the positivity effect. And it's just that people feel happier with life as they get older. And that flies right in the face for what a lot of us would predict. Because a lot of times as you get older, you have less mobility. 
You're sicker more often. People around you start dying. I mean, there's a lot of things that you could say. Windows are closing, and that should be sad. But the the data is completely clear that the trend is to become happier as you get older. And what she is trying to understand, or what she's trying to explain, is why that's the case. Yes. And that's where so much of what we're going to talk about today fits in. Um, I don't know what sort of struck you as most interesting, but one of the things that struck me the most as most interesting here is it isn't actual chronological age that dictates this. It's the mindset that we were just talking about. It's the mindset that you are able to prime yourself to think about endings more. And while counterintuitively, you might think that's going to make me sad, it doesn't. Yeah, and I and I love that as well because what one of the things I would say as well is the the paper or the article should I say that Dan and I are discussing now, this is what we you could describe as a summary of several other pieces of research that Laura has engaged in and and that's engaging in terms of produced and has studied herself. So today might feel a little bit different because we're not going to go too much into the methods and we're not going to go too much into like the the hypothesis. Um we're going to kind of review what is quite a lot of science, but if we were to do one on each of her studies, mm-hmm. I think after a while people would be a bit like change the record. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of these which one of these studies – so that she goes through so many studies. Like I said, she probably has hundreds of studies on this topic. And this research published in Science goes through a bunch of those. Was there one that like grabbed you that you would want to make sure that we got in front of the listeners before we – um, well, one of the things I really enjoyed was she used the example of a, of an advert. So I say used an example. I think they developed it, not even just used mm-hmm. an they example it. of it. So if it. I can uh, try to talk the, uh, the, the listeners through an image, uh, let's get ready. Uh, yeah. Let's, uh, so you have, uh, you'd have two identical posters and the posters are of like wildlife, outdoors and like, I guess, family settings. So the two posters are identical apart from the slogan that is used. So as listeners, you might actually want to try to guess which one is targeting the older listeners, sorry, the older viewers, and which one is targeting the younger viewers. So if we say poster A, the slogan on poster A is capture those special moments. And the slogan on poster B is capture the unexplored world. So I know you asked me, Dan, but I'm going to throw back at you. What kind of, what, what interesting things do you observe about the, I guess the, 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 the impact of those two individual slogans. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to say two things. And the first one is what those meant to me when I first looked at them. And then maybe that can lead us into introducing basically her theory, which I think is a little hard to say, but maybe not so hard to understand. So in terms of these actual posters and these slogans and so on, when we're starting to talk about capture those special moments, you look at these pictures, it starts to remind you that maybe Life is fleeting and there are certain things that you really want to savor and you want to bring them close to you and think about those positive elements. Capture the unexplored world. What it primes is exploring things you haven't seen yet, getting out there and learning more. And that, to me, brings up the second point. That's the heart of this theory. And do you feel like you could say the theory out loud? Or I'm going to socio-emotional. I think it's socio-emotional selectivity theory. There you go. 
And essentially that theory says that how we view the end and how we view life's length affects what we're motivated to pursue. And so if you were to prime, well, you know, life is transitory and it's not that long. What you'd want to be doing is capturing those special moments and savoring them. And if what you were primed to think about and what was in the front of your brain is my window just opens indefinitely, then that would put you in an exploration mindset. And you'd be like, well, I got to get out there. I got to invest. I got to put myself out farther. And in a way, you know, that kind of summarizes a lot of the whole theory and that, and that little thing right there. And what they would find again and again and again is that older people on average would be more into capture those special moments. Older people on average, when given a choice who to hang out with for 30 minutes, would choose people that they already knew quite well and that loved. And then on average, younger people would be more likely to capture the unexplored world and would look to spend time with people they could learn from, like an author of a book that they just read or something like that. And they found these differences. And for a long time, it was assumed to be that's because they're older is an age thing. But then what they learned through all this research is it's actually not an age thing. That if you either intentionally in a study prime one or the other, you can actually flip that so the old and young aren't different anymore. Or if naturally occurring stuff in the world like 9-11 or SARS epidemic, when that real stuff threatens us, it brings young and old to act the same way. Okay, so without me getting too political, but I'd love to at this point jump in to get topical. So recently there was footage from Extinction Rebellion where they were preventing people from getting onto trains. So regardless of whether it was a good idea or a bad idea, it was a bad idea. But regardless of whichever one it was, what I noticed watching that footage is that their actions, what their actions did was it brought everyone else closer together. So when you're usually in London or in any kind of, especially in big cities, you could be on a tube platform with 200 other people no one really cares about one another. Mm, mm. And I'm not saying everyone needs to be holding hands and singing Kumbaya while one man strums his uh, guitar. But like people don't even make eye contact. Mm. They don't say hello. Mm. There's no politeness or consideration. It's like there's an indifference. Yet when they had a uh, a collective issue, a collective issue, and this collective issue meant that they might not be able to get to work on time. All of a sudden, it brought them, and collectively, as a unit, they were able to drag people off the top of oh trains gosh. and give them a good kick in. But, like, how, what else? I can't think of another situation in which people would unite to right. give someone a good kick in and everyone would be like, well done, bravo, give them one from me. I but it's, yeah, it's so fascinating how that kind of, like, mm. shift. And so when you think, like, let's say, for example, you leave early for work, and let's say it takes you half an hour to get to work and you leave with an hour to get to work. Now, your whole attitude is very, like your whole outlook, like you stop, you look at things, you take your time. You might even like, like you know, message some friends and see how they're doing. Whereas if it takes you half an hour to get to work and on a good day, you can make it in 25 minutes everything about your energy is different. You're in a rush. You're focused. You're like, so this is kind of a a little bit on a tangent, but Mm -hmm. this idea of how our perception of time has an immediate and direct effect on our our emotions and our cognitive abilities. I think it is a tangent, but it fits really well. Thank you. Nice. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think that it fits really well because it shows that our brains will, if not lock into a position, will switch into a position. And once they're in that position, all the other filtering is dependent on that. And I think that's really the common link of what you were just talking about in that event yep. and what she's showing again and again and again in all these studies. And I actually uh, had a really good chat with Laura just last week and I was talking with her about her research and so on. And that quote that I read at the very beginning, that is because she almost died in a car crash. Ooh. And so it's, she was um, pretty young. She was only 21 years old. Okay. Uh, she certainly wasn't a professor yet. She had, she was a child of the seventies, an unrepentant hippie. And she said, whatever the sort of mainstream we're doing, she was running from. And her life probably, you know, what she told me is I was destined to become kind of a waitress. You know, um, that was kind of like what she thought she was heading towards. Yeah. She even used the phrase an alcoholic waitress in this case. And what happened was she was out seeing a hot tuna concert on a VW bus. And on the way back, the driver lost control and rolled the thing. And she ended up with, I think it was 34 broken bones. And she almost, you know, pretty much punctured lungs and internal bleeding and brain hemorrhaging. I mean, pretty much died. And she said that when she didn't die and she sort of came out, the fact that she saw that death could happen in any time is kind of what gave her the jump start to get going on life. Yeah. Led to her going to uni, led to her getting a PhD, wow. led to her working her ass off Woo. to publish. Kind of became very determined to make her mark in the short yeah. amount of time that was left. That's, that's fascinating. And not to delve back into the world of philosophy. And this is, I guess, philosophy slash art. I think there was an artist who was inspired by a philosopher and what the philosopher would do is would have a, a skull. So had like a human skull on their desk and it was just a constant reminder that I'm not going to be here forever. That's right. Like I need to make the time count. And this is, I guess this is what I think the usefulness, because there's a lot of utility, because it's not to say that there's a right mindset and a wrong mindset. Both of those mindsets are correct because there is a benefit to exploring your curiosity. And I think that's what young people do. They're learning about the world. And the only way to really learn about that is to be inquisitive and to go out there and to explore. So that's definitely a value. And on the other side of it as well, there's a value in appreciating the people that are around you because one, you might not be around forever. And two, they might not either. And this is kind of what happens at funerals. Like, especially if it's someone dies unexpectedly, a big part of mm. the, and this is, um, this is coming from the position of someone who's never been to a funeral. Oh, so really? all of this, all of this anecdotal <laughs> this evidence, this is all based on episodes of like Seinfeld and friends. <laughs> this is all, this is all based on sitcoms and movies. <laughs> but like one of the things that people express is their regret at not spending more time with people, at not getting to know people better. And I feel like it's when that, um, when the, when time, when time, is really made more salient to you. It, 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 it resets your brain. Like okay. it just, it, it puts so many different things. It puts different yeah. things into perspective. Yeah. And I talked with her about that really specifically. And I like the way you put it. It's not that she thinks that one is better than the other. It's that one leads to more savoring and enjoying rather than this striving to make it, to get ahead, to, 
to further your career and these sorts of things. A couple of things that she said that I thought were really, really compelling. And then maybe we get back to another study or something like this. But what she, she said that young people come up to her, they say to things like, I want to be like those old people. How, how do I get to be older faster? <laughs> and she thinks that's wrongheaded. In, in her opinion, it's, it's not so much that young people shouldn't be taking risks and learning and engaging. They, they very much should be. Maybe it's this idea that if you can think about having a long future and pursuing all of that, you could think about as you get older, one of the silver linings be that like you don't need to do that anymore. The, the silver lining might be like, I can experience better mental health and more satisfaction with my now and more closeness with the people I love. Because I don't have to be out there striving and yep. pooling and, and learning and, you know, kind of putting myself in uncomfortable settings and so on. Yeah. And I believe this is, I believe this is the tool of the human brain, which without kind of, and again, this is going to be a broad statement. And I think this is what we're trying to do with the podcast is to put information out there that does hopefully have a positive impact on how people approach situations and how they react in situations as well. So there's, there's like the marshmallow study. I watched a recent video about it and they said that the, the guy who was speaking was saying how in terms of psychology, the marshmallow test is the best test available in predicting success. He wasn't saying it was the only factor and the argument behind it. So for those of who aren't familiar with the marshmallow test, you get a bunch of kids. So probably between the ages of like, I don't know, two and six years old, you, you get, you put a marshmallow on a plate and you say to the kid, you can have this marshmallow now, or if you wait, let's say two to five minutes, which is an age for kids. If you can wait five minutes, I'm going to give you two marshmallows. So you either have one now or you have two later. And the data seems to, not even the data seems to, the data is evidence that the kids that are able to wait and have two marshmallows are more likely to be successful in the future. And what's going on here is that as humans, one of the things that makes us unique is our ability to imagine. So we can imagine a future and we can run scenarios and simulations in our head. So kids that are waiting for the two marshmallows, it's not that they've time traveled into the future to get the two. What they're able to do is imagine their future self enjoying two marshmallows. So they then decide, do I want my present self to enjoy one marshmallow or do I want my future self to enjoy two marshmallows? And so in terms of like the usefulness, if I link it back to this study, as humans, one of our abilities is to operate our brains on, like, we're, we're able to have it working on several different levels at one time. So we're able to enter situations. If you're at a networking event, for example, it's more beneficial for you to spend more of that time with people you don't know and explore those connections. That's a better use of your time than finding the familiar friend and having a conversation with them. However, if you're at a different event, uh, which I can't think of one right now, but if you're at a different maybe event, a funeral, <laughs> maybe, maybe a funeral, possibly though, possibly at a funeral in terms of like that emotion, like it would be more at the funeral is a great example. Actually, you're probably more likely going to want to speak to someone that you know at a funeral because you're able to now emotion, like um, open up to them. Mm -hmm. You're able to share maybe familiar stories. So it serves very differently than being at a funeral with like your pen and pad and going on up and asking 
people like what are your memories of such and such it's like it's very different mindsets so we have the option we do a lot of this stuff instinctively but we have the option of doing it consciously and if we do it consciously these are things that can have positive effects on our well-being and i i like i like and also i'm confused by some of this research go for it the part of it that confuses me or that makes me long for something a little bit more synergistic is that I'd love for there to be something that we could take away from this that was the solution. And part of what I'm learning by this research, hearing about this research is, is that if we prime this proximity of the end and we bring forward how ephemeral life is, we can enjoy it more. We can savor the small moments and, what that does, though, is it kind of bothers me that then we're shutting down, potentially, the exploration. Yes. And I'm... that drive to learn. And I asked her about that a little bit. And I don't think that this solves the problem. But she said that the way she tries to think of it is, I try to plan like I'm going to live forever. But then I try to live like I'm going to die tomorrow. Woo! How about that? Yo, Laura. How about preach? that? <laughs> <laughs> that is so spot on well, because for me the reason it. why I, I want to hear what you've got to say but for me that actually did help a lot because you know it's not like any one science article or even one stream of scientific articles gives us all the answers but this was one until i spoke with her about this i felt as though i was having to make this choice between being happy and mm. pursuing Yes. And I love pursuing. Yep, you know, I yep. love curiosity, put myself out there, exploring, learning, networking. Yep. yep. And it wasn't it wasn't quite resonating with me that I had to pick. Totally. Totally. Cause like this is the I guess my one of my massive frustration with my parents is that they are older mentally than they are physically. And it really does frustrate and upset me because there's things that I'm exploring in life, which I would love to explore with them. There's also a lot I'm exploring in life that I would rather they don't even know about. They won't even listen to this, but that's, we've, yeah, we're okay. In some of the podcast episodes, we we're kind of picking away at Akin's issue with his parents, but like, it's a massive frustration of mine because although they're very happy, there's, there's ways in which I'm not able to connect with them in new ways because they're not willing to explore. They, they spend a lot of the, their time with who they're close to. And quite, quite sadly as well, the people that they're most close to are each other. So they just, they're, they're knitting themselves closer and closer to one another, which is beautiful. It is beautiful, but it's now at a cost of all of the things that they could be doing. And it, and it really, it really does frustrate me because there's, there's lots of like even really simple things I try to invite my parents to. And they're just like, no, we're not interested. Oh no, we're not into that. We don't like that. I can't even get my dad to eat Indian food. <laughs> He's just decided he doesn't like it and like, and won't even try it. And it's, it's a small thing, but it's, that's a small example, but there's average, like larger things as well, where he just won't, he just, like when I went to Thailand for a month, he just couldn't understand it. He was like, why would you go for one month? And, but it's like he, it's like I had the tickets booked. Like I had a comment, like everything's, and he's just trying to talk me out. Why would you go for one whole month? He's like, two weeks is enough. Putting this in the context of this study. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and away from... <laughs> no, no, let's try to be practical with it. Mm. This this goes the opposite direction that I had read this research, but this would imply that he would be better off or people like him would be better off 
expanding the horizon. Yes. And thinking, I might still have a year. I might still have a decade. With the way modern mm. medicine is, mm. there's a lot of us who are going to be around longer than we want to be. Like it's, <laughs> it's getting to a point now where it's hard to die. Like, it's becoming, like, getting out of here has become the challenge now. Like... There's a lot of people who had enough a long time ago. You see it like even You don't want to be immortal then, do you? I would hate to, like that for me, that would that's the biggest curse ever. Like to be immortal would just be I don't need to be here forever. The fact that I'm gonna die someday, that's what makes me wanna live. That's what makes me curious. That's what makes me wanna try stuff. Like imagine if I was like a thousand years old and my friends are like acting, how are those Spanish lessons coming along? Like <laughs> It's like, look, man, I just, I can't be an idiot forever. Like, I just want to do like 85 years and call it a day, Done. man. Like, I, yeah, like, I want to go hard. I want to go hard for 85. Cause even if you look at like the, like the debates within like euthanasia and stuff, it's like part of the issue with that is you have people who are alive and they might, may have all of the, like, the curiosity in the world, but physically they're not able to actually explore life. So they're just like, well, what's the point then? <laughs> like, I'm done. Like, I'm literally just hanging around now. Yeah. And people come to visit me and they just feel sorry for me. And I can't even wipe my own backside. I can't even have, like, a hot shower. Like, I can't even be in the bathtub unattended because people are worried. Like, old people have falls. Like, that's for me. Like, when I was growing up, people would be like, yeah, my my my, my nan fell over. And I'm like, so why didn't she just get up? And it's like... <laughs> It's like, no, you don't understand. You get to a point where falling over. That's it. Yeah. Like that could then mean that I'm now around for 15 years, but I can't walk. I can't. Okay. I need to calm down. I'm well, getting, when I'm getting I... hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting hot and bothered. I'm getting all <laughs> Let me take a sip of water. Well, the thing that's really strange about this for me, and this is the part I think that does still bother me. I mean, here's the thing, folks. On the one hand, this is. These seem to be facts, or as they say now, true facts. The, mm. the, this isn't one study. This is a stream of research. There's many, many, many studies. And then this summary is published in Science, which is arguably the best journal that we have in, in, in science. And so it's not as though these are sort of lucky findings and, and they're not going to replicate. These definitely are findings that will replicate. I think that what confuses me a little bit are, number one, the counterintuitive finding that even with all that loss of mobility, and even with all that sort of being hemmed in, older people on average are happier. Yes. They report greater life satisfaction. And a lot of that has to do not with the fact that they aren't as healthy, but with the fact that they interpret life differently, the yes. lens through which they look at what they do have is one of gratitude. Yep. Is one of savoring. Yep. And, and, so, they, and they seek more, like they find the positive in situations. So, and, and this is like a loose interpretation of the research here, but the research would imply that if you showed two individuals the same news story, uh, and let's say the news story was about what's a hot, let's just say the economy. Let's just say, keep it nice and broad. Now, an, a younger person and an older person would read the same study. And the older person is more likely to associate or relate to or connect with the positive 
outcomes right. of that news story. Whereas the younger person is more likely to fixate on the negative outcomes that, that thing of that she story. calls the positivity effect. Yes. They're more likely to remember the positive. Yep. They're more likely to and think and older people, right? Yeah. That's right. The yeah. older people are. Yeah. Unless you prime the transients and the young ones. Yes. And then that literally brings them down. They even have brain scans showing that that part of the brain is more activated. The positivity part of the brain. What was it? The amygdala. That it is more um, triggered. Uh, yes. Uh, and that there are, those are differences unless they prime them about their shortness and the, the you know, the sort of, um, ephemerality. Yep. And then they come together. Yep. So again, boy, it's really strong evidence, folks. I mean, uh, when I was reading this, I was, I was really, really convinced, but I think the reason why I still kind of keep bumping my toe on it is it bothers me to think about shutting down as you savor. Yes. That's the part of it that, to, to close off yourself to adventure and learning and experiences. Yep. Because you're in savoring mode. I, I'm, uh, I guess I'm railing about the possibility that it has to be one or the other. And so I kind of asked It doesn't. Her, yeah. I asked her about that. Oh, go about, for it. Yeah. Well, first off, um, in my own life, I once had a pretty traumatic time where I was diagnosed with stage four lymphoma. There's no stage five, right? Um, yeah, four, four is like as good as it gets. And then you got five and five's like, now you're at the funeral home, I guess. <laughs> you know, um, but anyway, I actually, in my own world, kind of experienced some of this. That's why I actually resonated and gave her a call and talked with her about all this. And what I found is it does, when I didn't die, it does really help you to start savoring each day. Wait a second. You didn't die? Hello. <laughs> I am your ghost of your father. <laughs> My disappointed father. <laughs> I hate- <laughs> so, on the other hand, I also became really motivated to make some type of an impact. Wow. And so, in my own set of experiences, I didn't experience this as either or. I experienced both of these. Which I think, from what I'm hearing, Dan, I think maybe that difficulty that you're talking about is because you are a young person. I think, I think what you're- Especially then. Well, no, even now. Like, cause, (laughs) cause this is what the study is saying. The study is saying that don't look at this in terms of age. Look at this in terms of outlook. So partly, I, just from what like you're, what I'm hearing, I think, and what I know of you as well, I think for you, the the older side of it is it's not that it's that you don't agree. I think that you don't connect with it because you've still got so much life in you and like vigor. Because like, this is like an interesting line in the stu- in the in the in the article as well, where it says younger people are far more likely than older people to pursue their goal despite negative emotional burden. That's an appetite for life. Like someone who's really got an appetite for life, even if you tell them, here are seven risks for doing one thing, younger people are still more likely to take that risk. That's correct. Some of this I feel like I can couch in this context of plan like you're going to live forever, live like you're going to die tomorrow, that kind of thing. And when I really pushed her on, are you suggesting that older people that have this more limited perspective shut down and like want to stop giving of themselves? What she said is, 
It's this, they, they, they might be even more motivated to give, but they become more selective in terms of who they're giving to and what they're giving mm. and that they become hyper focused or very, very intensely focused on what they care the most about. And that's where I believe is one of the big values of that way of thinking. Because it's like if you've been, if you've been in, in like, let's say you've been studying for four years. Let's say you've been at your place of employment for 10 years. Like, have you, like when you, when you're about to graduate, people get closer. It's when you hand in your notice at your, your job, all of a sudden everyone's got good things to say about you. Like all of a sudden that realization of, oh, Akin's going to be gone in three months time. We need to start considering. Yeah, we need to celebrate him. Let's savor. Yeah. And I think Mm. older people have realized that I don't need to wait until someone's about to go before I savor them. And I think also because that, that window closing, they don't need, you don't need a skull on your desk. Although I may get one. Yeah. 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 I, I, I may get one as well. Like you don't need it. If you're like your body, when you wake up is reminding you, you're not going to be around here forever. When you look in the mirror, you're reminded you're not going to be around here forever. Like my, I started losing my hair when I was in my early twenties and I was like, even my hair is already checked out. Like I'm not going to be here forever. So like, I think there's, it's, it's not an either or, but I think we have an ability to be in a situation because they talk about within, within the, with the advert. So I, the advert that I referenced earlier, where they had the slogan that worked better for younger people and the slogan that worked better for older people. They were able to prime the older people by doing something along the lines of saying, suggest time wasn't an issue. This is, I'm really poorly paraphrasing here, but if older people were primed with this idea that time isn't a factor, they were more likely to be more curious and ex- and they would want to explore. And I don't think it's explicitly said in this article, but I imagine for younger people as well, when you give them that reminder that they're not going to be here forever, all of a sudden they now start rethinking about how they do want to spend their time. And, and that was, I guess that's what, one of the things that happened on a, a global scale. Uh, and if we just say a national scale with America, like with 9-11, like it was a national way of kind of like the unpredictable, That's the it. tragic, the immediate. It, yep, yep, yep. It showed how quickly life can change and how the predictability and how we think it's all going to go can be switched in just a second. Yeah. And that really changed in their data that they yeah. talked about how older and younger alike. Yes, started to understand the ephemerality of life and started to savor more and give more today. And that's, and that like, and an example off of, of that comment, just right in the back of your comment there, Dan, in one of the studies that she, she did regarding uh, 9-11 and the SARS yes. uh, situation, okay. uh, I believe it was on 9-11, someone was looking, this is in New York, they were looking out of their window and they saw an individual wandering around looking pretty like hopeless. And so I think from the window, they shouted like, yo, like, are you, are you okay? Like with this awareness of this, this event that had just taken place. And the person was like, like, I'm on the other side of town and like, I need to get to my family. And the individual who was at the window went inside their home, grabbed their car keys and threw it to the individual downstairs and was like, take my car, go be with your family. And that kind of, that kind of behavior, you don't, 
get that every day. And there's a reason why you don't get it every day. But it's also fascinating that if we can operate our brains on both of those levels, we can now make decisions which are, we can have a bit more of a choice. I love it. Yeah. I was surprised and really enjoyed reading this article. I hope you readers got something out of hearing about those findings. And if you want to find it on your own, this is a 2006 article in Science by Laura Karstensen. Awesome. Oh, man. You guys, you guys rock. Uh, keep on rocking. You're not going to be around here forever. So, you know, just do me a solid and enjoy the rest of your lives. Ciao. Ciao.